The Lord's been so good to us, and I'm thankful that we can call on that name. And we've been seeing some some results of prayers and different things. Monday night, uh, we had prayer for, for Brother Scott Pledger. I don't think he's here tonight, but um, he had talked with me, and he had talked to some other doctors and things, and they, they really thought that he had a hernia that had maybe ruptured and was moving, and he was supposed to see a surgeon tomorrow, and... Um, but he called me today, said he, that his doctor told him it's not a hernia, which is great. Uh, it's, um, I can't even describe what it is. It would take a long time for me to tell you. The doctor said, look, you can have surgery. I don't recommend it. He said, it's not necessary. Like most of us, he said, hey, just lose some weight, change some habits. You'll get better. You know, so he said, I'm trying to do that. And I said, aren't we all? <laughs> Aren't we all trying to do that? So, um, so let's just continue to pray that it won't turn into anything, that he'll be able to do what he needs to do to get this right, and, and God's going to take care of it in Jesus' name. Amen. But he just said, I said, well, we prayed you wouldn't have to have surgery. And he said, well, praise God, I don't have to. He said, I'm, I'm glad about that because he didn't want to have to be uh, laid up with that surgery. So God's doing great things. Our, a lot of uh, our people are at camp. We've got our teens that are at camp camping and then we have those that are staffing and uh, I think this is the biggest teen camp that they've had over 200 campers and that's not counting the the staffers that's just the campers and so they've been having a tremendous time our, it seems like our young people are having a great time uh, from what Jake has m- mentioned to us so so let's pray that they'll just get a great blessing tonight and God will touch them again and just give them the Holy Ghost all over again Amen. Yeah, that's good. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 32, uh, you can turn with me. I'll read uh, quickly tonight. Actually, you can be seated tonight. And while I keep you standing, thank you for standing for prayer and for worship tonight. Thank you, darling, for the music and the worship. Appreciate our worship team and our music and everybody doing what they're doing. Genesis 32 and verse 24. Uh, we're going to check in on Jacob right here. It says, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Penuel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted or limped upon his thigh. And tonight I will just talk for a few moments out of this, allowing God to change us, allowing God to change us. Let's pray for the lesson tonight. Precious Lord, we love you and thank you for your goodness and mercy. We ask you to bless us, Lord, and bless our hearts to hear your word. God, we thank you for the change that you bring. And we, Lord, we know that all things work together for good. So tonight, help us to hear your word and receive it in good ground. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap and shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. What a great God. Amen. That's right. I have no idea what's happening. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. I'm about to have a coughing fit. Now I can't talk. <laughs> if I fall out, somebody come pray for me. <clears throat> yeah, it just never happens when you're by yourself, only when you're holding a microphone. Praise God. God is good. <clears throat> I will try now to do this, but now I've got tears in my eyes and I can't see. (laughs) 
I may just dis- dis- dismiss you and just, we'll just we'll try again Sunday. Mm. Well, bless me. Bless me, Lord. see how far we get. Praise God. All right. Let's start over. Allowing God to change us. Now let's give the Lord a hand. I appreciate the Lord tonight. He's good. Appreciate him so much. Well, that's a subject that, you know, a lot of people don't like. Because people rarely like change. If you were to be honest tonight, I mean, how many people actually do not like change? Well, well, the biggest thing is is that change is never easy. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad or if it's for the better. It's just not always something easy. It it costs us to do that. There was a, a story of this reporter. He went to interview a resident of the town. He on his 100th birthday, and he said, you know, in the time you've been alive, a whole century, he said, you must have seen a lot of changes. The old man said, I have, and I hated every one of them. (laughs) Some people just don't like change. And even if it's for their betterment, they just don't like change because usually change deals with us letting go of something or stopping something not just always starting something but it's always stopping something because it, the, the starting and stopping don't always work uh, you can't do them uh, keep them you, you, you've got to have the stop and the start it's like you can't start working out unless you stop uh, all your other bad habits or the working out is cancelled out it doesn't work you've got to change and so breaking habits you know, and we try to do that. It's like we want to be better, but we'd like to be better without change. We want things easier, but we want it easier without change. We want to be healthier, but we want that without change. I mean, really, you would rather just have the right blood pressure, correct weight, no issues, and still eat what you want to eat, you know, still go through the drive through and Load up on cheeseburgers and fries and never have to worry about it. Just want to, yeah, wouldn't it be easy if we could say, yeah, I just want to be better. But you got to do something. There's got to be a change. And so every year people have New Year's resolutions because they want to change. I'm going to be better and I'm going to make lists. I'm going to be more, you know, uh, financially responsible. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to be a better person. Well, that's going to require change. And usually that change doesn't last very long, turning over new leaves. Uh, we've always said when the wind blows, it just flips you right back over. It just it never works. And so changing behavior, breaking habits can be very difficult, but they're oftentimes necessary. I have talked with people who uh, began to have issues in their body. Their heart was bothering them, and they would go to the doctor. And the doctor would check them and say, if you don't stop smoking or if you don't stop drinking or if you don't stop eating like this, if you, you know, if you don't make a change, you will die. And sometimes they listen and sometimes they don't. And some of those people have actually found themselves in the emergency room having a heart attack. And after a triple bypass surgery, now they realize I've got to change or I won't live. And, uh, and you know, people, all, I've talked to people who, who had habits of smoking. They said, I just can't stop. You know, it's just got me. It's got me. But, but I'll tell you, when you know your life is on the line, I've seen people that were lifetime smokers quit cold turkey after that heart attack because they said, I'm not going to die. Just I'm not going to hang on to this just so I can enjoy it for a little while and die from it. You know, they, it was something that facilitated that change. It, it had to happen. And it, it's not easy. It's the habit that's uh, grabbed them. It's an addiction that grabs them over time. And people that have addictions, it can be a, you know, a gambling addiction. 
and it gets worse. And a lot of times people don't even realize that there's something going on that there needs to be a change because it, the, the, it's such a gradual thing. But one day this, this person who maybe is addicted to, like, gambling, you know, he's, all of a sudden his phone, phone's being turned off, power's being turned off, lights turn off, then a knock at the door, and now he's being evicted. And over time, because he would not change, he lost the things that were good for his life. Might even lose your family over it. There's got to be change. People can't live in those situations. They need change. And so if our lives are going to be better or if we're going to save our life or, or save a relationship, there's going to have to be some change. It has to happen. And uh, it's not easy. It doesn't come cheap. It costs us something to change. And allowing God to change us will cost us something. It's, it's not cheap. There's going to be a price to be paid. That's why we present our bodies a living sacrifice. We're, we're saying, I want that change. And that's the gospel. Anybody that thinks, well, I want to live for God, but there's no change involved, has not read his word or has not listened while the gospel was preached because that is the gospel. Jesus paid the price for us. It's the heart of of the message, ye must be born again. That's change. Because Jesus said, whatever's flesh is flesh. But whatever spirit is spirit. And, and the new birth is a spiritual birth. We change. No, we don't turn into, a, a, you know, like a see-through a, a ghost or anything. floating around. We don't become a spirit. But his spirit moves inside of us. And that will facilitate a change. It's a transformation uh, or a metamorphosis, if you will, like from the inside out. It's, it's just like a caterpillar uh, changing into a butterfly. That's something inside him that's ready uh, to come out, but he has to go into that cocoon, and, and the change has to happen. You can't pick a caterpillar up and throw him and watch him fly. He'll fly just long enough, <laughs> however hard you threw him, but that's about as long, far as he'll go. But a butterfly can go. He's been changed. He, he's different. He's not that that person or person. He's not that insect anymore. He's not that creature. He is uh, developed. He's something new is going on in, in his life, and he he doesn't even look the same anymore. There's going to be a change uh, when we come to God. There's going to be a change when we come to God. Anybody who really comes seeking God. I believe really is often seeking change. It's not that they don't, they, they don't want God, but they know that their life has hit a place where I am no longer the person uh, that I can look at. I can't look at myself anymore. I, I, nothing is going right. Something's missing. I've got to have something. And they come to him because they want a change. Even in the scripture, sometimes it was just physical change. The woman with the issue of blood, she wanted something different to happen in her life. So she touched the hem of his garment and she was changed. Barnabas cried out and cried out until Jesus stopped and, and healed him and, and opened his blinded eyes. He, he wanted change. He wanted something to be better in his life. And the, the man, the, the, the leper that came down and found him when Jesus was coming off the mountain said, you know, if you will, you can make me whole. And Jesus said, I will. He, he, he knew. He said, I need something that you can give me. I need to change. I don't need to be this leper anymore. And, but the only way that you get that real change from the Lord, you gotta, he, he won't force it. God doesn't make you in to that perfect, never done nothing wrong creature. He doesn't make you, force you, push you into it, stomp down on you and hold you down into that form till you become a new creature. You have to allow God to do that. But it never happens it ties his hand, in a sense, if you're not honest about why you're coming to him. If you can't admit, hey, if you come to him saying, you know, hey, you know, God, I'm pretty good, but here's a couple of areas in my life I could be better. And if you can't come to him and say, have mercy on me, a sinner. You can't stand there and say, well, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. 
I give tithes twice. You know, I pay my tithes. I do this. I do that. I, I, here I am listing all your achievements when you come to God. When you come to God to be changed, you come expecting to die at the altar. You come in repentance. You come because the message is to preach repentance. We're telling people you've got to come. And repentance is no good if you're not honest in your repentance. You hear what I'm saying? You can't come and fake repentance. You can't come and, and sideline repentance. And act like, well, I'm just going to, I don't want to tell everything. When will we learn he already knows everything? But for it to actually, uh, for him to do anything with it, you've got to confess it. The Bible says if you confess your faults, he is faithful to forgive them. And you know what that does? That changes us. But we're not changed if we're not honest with God about who we are. And, in, and until we get honest with ourselves about who we are, we'll never be honest with God. You know, when something's going on, I mentioned maybe somebody has a, a gambling addiction. You know, they, they'll hide that from their family. They'll hide that from their friends because they can't be honest about it because they're worried about it. And there's no change going to happen. As long as they're not being honest and saying, look, I've got a problem. I need help. This is what's happening. And, you know, hey, why did the power get cut? Oh, I think they probably lost the bill. I'll, I'll fix that. You know, they make up excuses. Never honest about it. Always prolonging it. But eventually it catches them and you can't get out of it. Now you've just got to do either say, I've been lying all along. I've gambled it all away. But if you can be honest about it. God can begin to change you from the inside. God can begin to change you uh, because it, it, it's got to start inside of us. And that's what, because when you change the externals without changing the internal, that's false Christianity. That's, it's fake. It's not there. Well, you just, because a lot of people, that, that's putting on a, a costume. That's saying, I'm going to dress up like something. I mean, it's just like I, I could put on an Atlanta Braves uniform. I'm not part of their organization, but I could do it. I could put on a police uniform, but I'm not a, a, a police officer. I'm not. I could, you, know, you can go online and you can buy all the equipment and things, the, stuff, the real stuff, and put it on and be, have exactly what they wear, but you're not. That's not who you are. And you can dress it and, and, and look it, but if something hasn't happened in here, and it never happens in here until we're honest about it. And this is a message not just for those who don't know God. This is for those of us that know God. That Because a lot of times uh, we have let him bless us and touch us and do some things in our lives. But have we let him change us? Ezekiel 36, the Lord said, I'll start with the inside. A new heart also will I give you. Your heart's in here. He's not talking about that, that blood pumping muscle. He's talking about who you are. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And then I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit, his spirit, within you. Cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and you shall do them. He says, I'm going to start with that heart. That's why we never get up here and we tell people, you know, about, well, until you can get yourself right, don't even come to the altar. Come as you are and leave it on the altar. But let him touch your heart. Be it Because out of our heart is where everything we do radiates from as a man thinketh in his heart so is he and, and that doesn't just apply to born again people or, or Christian people that's that's any man walking the planet right now however he is in his heart that's how he is and until he can come and be honest and say God this is my heart God can't change that heart because when you're not honest about it, you're saying I'm not letting this part go I, I, I know I need you know it's like people come in and they're going through a rough time. Like, man, what's going on with you? Well, yeah, my marriage is all messed up and everything like that. And, and they don't tell you that the reason it is is because 
you know, there's some drug addiction or there's some kind of, or gambling addiction, all these other things. Just, you know, so you think, okay, well, oh, I need God to really help me with, with this situation. What they want is just to go home and have peace tonight. And so they don't tell you about anything else. They're not trying to fix anything else. They just want everything to be all right without having to change. And so they come down, they pray, and they cry, and they get a little encouraged and, and things like that, and then it doesn't change. And it, doesn't, you know, it, can be, it's not, it can be jobs, it can be school, it can be anything. It can be just your walk with God. I'm struggling, I'm in dry places, or I, you know, I'm not hearing from God. And so you're trying to counsel them. So, you know, people go through dry places sometimes, but they don't tell you the reason they're going through dry places is because they have quit reading, quit praying, quit worshiping. Quit listening to authority in their life. And so well, they're drying up and, and ready to blow away because they've stopped living for God outside these four walls. And until they're honest about that, it'll never get better. And so you pray with them and they cry. And, and man, you feel better and they, and they feel a little bit better because they, they prayed and they cried. But when they walk out the door, nothing, if they weren't honest right here, nothing changed. You didn't allow God to have it so he could change it. And get you back to restore you, reconcile you, get you where you're supposed to be. And so, we've got to be honest with God. God fixes what's within so we can be better without. So we can be better in the rest of our life. He wants us to be better. And what we read in our opening passage with Jacob, that's what God was doing for Jacob. Because Jacob, his whole life, everything he got was he schemed to get it. He deceived to get it. He lied to get it. I mean, he tricked his brother out of his birthright. Put on him and his mom, worked up a plan so he could steal Esau's blessing. You know, he, he, everything he did, he, he got it by scheming and tricking and, and all these things. And, you know, the thing about it is, the reason we see this wrestling match going on in Jacob's life is because God loved Jacob. He didn't love his deceit. He didn't love his lies. He didn't love any of that stuff about him, but he loved Jacob. And he, so he could not leave Jacob walking the same way he found him. He knew that he was going to have to change him because Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He knew the plans he had for Jacob. But Jacob will never be Israel if he's not honest with God. He's in a place. We started off reading and said, and he was left alone. You know, sometimes we hide in the crowd. But there's going to come a time where you and God are going to get down to business alone. Where God is going to be there and you're going to have a choice to either be honest with God or not. And you know, and sometimes God will not even call you on you not being honest. He'll just let you go ahead and hang on to what you got. He won't say, "Mm mm-hmm. Now, there was a woman... In John chapter 4, Samaritan woman, she had had five husbands. And Jesus says, he's talking with her, talking about living water, talking about all these things. So finally it comes down to, hey, go call your husband. Well, I don't have a husband. She was truthful. She was honest. And Jesus said, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with now? It's not your husband. You told the truth. You know, she could have hid that, tried to hide that. He may have never said a word about it and let her go on her way. But because she was honest, she ran back saying, Is not this the Christ? A man that has told me all that I've ever done. Is it this the one we're looking for? Is it this him, the one we've heard about? And it, it, living water, a change, something going to happen to her because she was allowed Jesus to just see who she was, didn't try to paint a picture like she was better than she was, just said, hey, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew, you don't have nothing to do with us, let's just call it what it is. But Jesus said, if you can be honest, I can change all this situation. 
And if you'll let me, I'll change that. So God was ready to change Jacob. It's about that change. He can't leave him the same way he found him and he still be Israel. Jacob could not be Israel under his own steam. He was not going to be Israel under his own steam. He had no plan to be Israel. He didn't know how to make that happen. This was going to be something that came from God. If God does not bless Jacob and his uh, offspring and his families and all this, then Israel will never happen. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 tells us that God wants something better for us. And if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are made new. That's change that comes from him. That's not me being able to turn over a new leaf. That's about me meeting God at an altar of repentance where I was honest enough to say, I have nothing to bring you. All I have is this mess of a life. And the Lord says, I can make something out of that mess if you'll allow it. If you'll let me. And I'm so glad that he did what he did in my life. In Romans chapter 6, in verses 1 through 4, Paul, I think I gave you that. Let's read through that. Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Can we continue with no change? He said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In other words, how can we not live changed? Don't you know that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. There should be a change, a noticeable change. People should be able to see the change. People could see the change in Jacob. Hey, I saw you last night before you went to bed. You wasn't limping. What happened between when I saw you and the time you went to bed me and God had a meeting I met with God Jacob when he, he uh, had finished this wrestling match he named the encounter the place of his encounter uh, Penuel which means face of God and I'm going to promise you this you don't get somewhere alone and face to face with God without change happening Change is going to happen. Just like the woman at the well, she was face to face with God manifest in the flesh. It was just her and Jesus, nobody else. They were alone at the well. And because they were alone, he could talk to her and she could be honest with him. You know, if it had been other women around or anybody else, she may have tried to play it off and be like, I'm just part of the crowd. But she was there by herself. And there was no reason for whatever, uh, the way he talked to her, the way he addressed her, the things that he offered her. It made her feel like I can just be honest and say, this is who I am. And he said, good, I've got some living water for you. I've got a change for your life. And if you'll allow it, I can change you. But see, we often, we want God to accept us, but not change us. We want that easy intimacy with God hey God I love you accept me just uh, but I like the way I am I've, I've worked a long time to get this way so if I could just stay who I am keep my identity you know I, I, do I really have to be like you daily do I have to carry a cross daily is it do I have to do I really have to change but you know what what God more than anything just day to day what he wants he wants Nothing more than to change us from the inside out. He wants nothing more. He, he's not asking for all these other things. Man, obedience is better than sacrifice. He just wants us to follow him, to live for him. Guess what? It's because he wants to see us changed. 
Because we'll never be who we're supposed to be as long as we're holding on to that other side of who we were. That's what Jacob, what he found in Jacob. That fight, that wrestling match, that encounter, it was when he was alone with God. And guess what? God initiated it. God will reach for you. No man cometh but by the draw, unless the Father draws him. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You know, it's, it's God's always trying to get our attention. He said, I'll come in to where you are. We'll sit down together. Just even God said in Isaiah, come let us reason together. And though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. I, I can change that sin in your life. I, I can do that if you will be honest with me. Let's reason this out together. Allow me to change you. And God initiated this. And we think, well, man, why didn't God just sweep in all nice and pull up a chair and sit down? And why didn't he have some fish and bread on the fire for, for Jacob? Wake him up and say, hey, come on, let's sit down and eat and talk a while. Instead of coming in and getting him in the sleeper hold and wrestling around the ground with him all night. All creation, heaven, angels watching this wrestling match go on. And, and you know, sometimes, listen, God will tear your nest up. God will shake your world to get your attention. To say you're not being who you're supposed to be. I've got to change something here. But Jacob realized he had hold of something miraculous. And he said, I'm not letting go. And he wrestled in the, the, the man that he wrestled with said, okay, I'm not getting anywhere with him. So let's see how resolved he is to hanging in here. So he touches him in the hollow of his thigh and it, it takes his leg out of joint. And so it, I'm sure that hurt. And still he did not let go. Because he knew he had a hold of something that was going to make a difference in his life. He would not let go. And so then he tried to test him. He said, he demanded, let me go. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, listen, blessings mean, mean a lot, something a lot different in that day than what it means today. People say, well, I'm going to church to get a blessing. And when they get chill bumps and, and, and run the aisle, and they will go out and say, whoo, I got blessed today. And you, that's okay. But blessings in those days, it was for your life. That's why you read about patriarchs on their deathbed, bring my children in here and let me lay my hands on them. Put your hand under my thigh and, and so I can speak into your life and, and bless you. And, and what they spoke, was what came to pass. They blessed them. And it, that's why Esau was losing his mind when he came in and said, don't you have another blessing? Don't you have something for me? Because he knew once you give that blessing out. And that's why Jacob said, man, I've got to hold something that's greater than even my father. And I'm not turning loose well, I'll tell you, when you ever come face to face with God, you know it's God. You know, I know that night I was in the altar, I knew this is the Lord. And, and I wasn't getting up until I felt like it was done. I wasn't going to leave till I, 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 I was wrestling with the Lord down there that night. And I, and I said, I don't want this to ever go away, so give me whatever it takes for this to stay. I wanted a blessing. I didn't want goosebumps. I didn't want to just roll around in the floor. I wanted something for my life. He said, well, for that to happen, there'll have to be a change. Jacob said, I'm not letting go. And so here's where he gets, you know, yeah, he's, he's walking different. It's evident he's been in a wrestling match with the Lord, but he's still Jacob until he's honest 
about who he is. Because the Lord said, what is your name? And Jacob, when he was born, you know, in, in those days, in the Old Testament, you've read it enough, sure, you've seen it. But when they gave somebody a name, it, that person and that name were inseparable. It meant whatever that name meant, that it was because of a situation, because of who they thought they were going to be. Uh, you know, uh, even uh, when uh, Ruth and her mother-in-law were coming back in uh, to Israel, they said, don't, don't call me, uh, she said, call me Mara now. Don't call me Naomi anymore, but call me Mara. Just change my name because uh, everything's went bitter against me and, and, and everything's bitter in my life right now. Don't call me Naomi anymore, but call me uh, Mara. Call me something because life has been bitter to me and I went out full. I've come in empty. You know, she just, uh, she was applied and said, I, it, it affects me so much. Just change my name. Well, he was named Jacob from the beginning because when he was born, he came out holding the heel of Esau, heel grabber. His name means heel grabber, a thief, a deceiver. Uh, and that's who he was. He lived his life getting what he wanted through deceit, through scheming, making plans. You know, even the, the cattle and the things he took from Laban when he left. I mean, he, he devised a plan so he could fill his flocks up. And let Laban just have the leftovers, you know. But he did it all, and Laban couldn't figure it out. And uh, and he went. And his whole life, it was a, everything. He got his his first wife was given to him through deceit. It backfired. It came back to get him. What you reap, you, you know, you reap what you sow. And he got that. And so, but now instead of trying to hide it, he said, "My name is Jacob." And he was honest with God. Because when he said Jacob, God knew exactly what that name meant. God, I'm a thief. A deceiver. I have lied and schemed to get everything I want. I am Jacob. He admitted who he was. He was honest with God. And he allowed God to change him and give him that new identity because until he admitted who he was, he was still going to be Jacob. But then God said, you will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and you have prevailed. You held in here. You were honest. You, you did it. And now Israel means prince of God or God rules. So he, he was different now, new identity. But it didn't come until he was honest with him. Yes, he was the son of Isaac. And God loved him. But even though God loves us, we still have to allow God to change us. You have to allow him to work in your life. You have to allow him to give you that spirit. He doesn't force that spirit into you. It's a gift, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you repent, that's honesty. You don't repent just because it's one of the steps. Man, repentance, people think repentance is like a curse or something. Like it's, I've got to repent because I've been bad. Repent to be right with God. Repentance, com repentance comes because of God's goodness. And it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance because God did not have to grant us a way out. But repentance opens the door for us to get back right with God, to get into good standing with God, to become who ultimately He wants us to be because in repentance we die a spiritual death. The old man is crucified and he dies and we leave him there and all the things that he was and we're buried in baptism and, and the blood of Jesus is applied to our life and washes us and then we are raised up to walk in the newness of life. But if you come and don't repent, if you think there's things in your life, you know they're wrong, but you, I, I don't believe I've got to repent for that. Or some people don't even believe they have to repent. I've been pretty good. I think God will just weigh it out and it'll be all right. No, it won't be all right. Because we're never honest with God till we find a place of true repentance. 
And maybe that's why Esau couldn't find it. The Bible says he sought it with tears. Maybe it's because he had murder in his heart, hatred in his heart. It wasn't true repentance. He just wanted the blessing. I just want what was stolen from me. You didn't see him talking to God about it. He was talking to his dad about it. Somebody said one time, they were talking about, you know, is there sins that can't be forgiven? Well, sure, the Bible says there are. There's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost that says it can't be forgiven. But you know what other sins can't be forgiven? The ones you won't repent of. And if and we can't go to heaven if we're not forgiven. And so if we are, have gotten so good, if there's this little tiny part of us that likes to deceive and hide things and, and, and never repent of them and holds on to them, they'll follow you. We need to let, uh, let God change us. We miss that transformation if we cannot come face to face with our faults and our weaknesses. If we cannot admit who we are to God, God can't completely change us. We can get in the habit of going to church and mistake that for change. Changing your routine doesn't necessarily change the person. But repentance, that's what it does. In repentance, we see who we are, we admit who we are, we turn from ourselves, and we turn to God. But people, when you see people in the church, they're conflicted. They're double-minded. And then they're unstable in everything they do. We must be honest to be free. The scripture talks over and over again that we are free. That's a change because we were captives, slaves to sin. But the Bible over and over talks about us being made free. But we must be honest if we're going to be free. We must then believe that we are free. You know why a lot of people are frustrated? Because they just can't believe that they're actually free. I've been in bondage so long, I can't believe I'm free. Do you believe the word? Do you believe what the scripture says? The Bible says if the son makes us free, we're free indeed. What I love is how the Spirit sets us free. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let me ask you, where is the Spirit of the Lord right now? Anybody got it living in here? What, what, what is the Holy Ghost? It's the Spirit of the Lord. And so... If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, then there's liberty in your life. Not liberty to do your own thing. It means you have been liberated. You have been set free. You are now, you were dead in sins. Now you're dead to sin and you're walking in the newness of life. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth and that it will lead us into all truth. And Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's why we are free indeed. We've got to believe we have actually been changed and been set free and then live like we're free. We have gone from being captive and enslaved to the freedom of the Spirit. And when you let God change you, that's what he does. You might limp. I'm telling you, walking in the Spirit sometimes and walking by faith, we, we, we've always said, oh, the church ain't going to limp into heaven, but maybe we will because <laughs> we've all been changed. I don't know. Maybe that new body will, will come without the limp. But, but here, just like 
Jacob was. He, was. he was changed. It was noticeable. Something was different, but greater than the limp was that new name, Israel. God's people. I'm glad today that God makes a way for us to be different. That he makes a way for us to be changed. But why don't people feel free sometimes? While we're walking with God, you can there's, there's several ways you can approach it. You can, you can live spiritually, but be conflicted while you profess your freedom. It happens. There's a lot of people who, they, they, they live, they're, they're always conflicted. They don't talk about it because they don't want nobody to think something's wrong with them. But they're conflicted while they still profess freedom. They attend church. They profess Christ as Savior and Lord. But they never allow the Lordship of Christ to be the controlling force in their life. If you call him Lord, you've got to let him be Lord. Because he's the Lord, whether I call him that or not. I've got to allow him to be the Lord in my life. There are those that will abandon the faith. Because they've tried time and time and time again to get it right. But they don't let him do it. And so they walk away because it doesn't seem to work for them. And they're disillusioned and now it's worse on them than it was when they started. That's the way some people's lives are going. But we could decide to be totally honest about our weaknesses. Come to a place of that spiritual death called repentance. And let God set us free. And cause us to walk in his ways. And change us from the inside out. And that's what Jacob had to do before he could be Israel. He had to admit, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob. I am a deceiver, a supplanter, a heel grabber. I've I've gotten everything I've gotten through scheming and planning and and working angles. and, And this is just who I am. He said, not no more. Now you're going to be Israel. And it doesn't always happen to those who haven't reached who they're supposed to be yet. Sometimes people are right in the middle of who they are for God and still need a change. David was such a man, a man after God's own heart. But David had sin in his life. The most notable would be, of course, his Adultery with Bathsheba and then the murdering of her husband to cover up the pregnancy. It was a mess. And they covered it up. But one day Nathan the prophet showed up and confronted him and and told him a, a little story about a man who had stole a lamb and another man's lamb and that was the only lamb he had and David was so upset, that man needs to be killed and this and that. And, and Nathan looked at him and said, David, you are the man. And suddenly the man after God's own heart was in a place where he could look in the mirror and see who he actually was. How, how long had it gone on? I don't know. But how many people in Israel did not know that David had done this? And David was trying to keep it a secret. Keep it on the down low. Maybe even lying about when she had the baby, about how, how many months it had been. Maybe telling them the baby came early. I don't, I don't know what all they did to try to cover it up. But now David can do one of two things. He can say, well, that's just how it is. I'm the king of Israel, so what? But instead, David repented. He actually wrote an entire psalm over this incident. He was so afraid that he was going to die. But the prophet said, don't worry, David, God's not going to kill you. The child's going to lose his life, but you're not. But I can promise you this, that David was changed 
because he was honest enough to say what he said in this psalm. When you read David's prayer in Psalm 51, he starts out like this, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. He's telling him there's something wrong in me. Blot it out. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. This is a king. Not just any king, but this is David, king of Israel. Man after God's own heart. For I acknowledge, I'm honest about it. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. That was how David started his prayer. This is what's wrong with me, God. This is what's happening to me. David can't hide it. He's got to be honest with God. And then the second half of his prayer, he says in verse 6, Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. On the inside, you got to get it out. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Verse 9 said, Hide thy face from my sin. 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Verse 14, he said, Deliver me from blood guiltiness or the spilling of blood, O God, thou God of my salvation. In verse 15, he said, O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. David was honest with God. Against you and you only have I sinned. I've done this. And God changed David that day. He changed him. And, and it cost David, cost him at the Sheba both that child. But David's life was spared. And I guarantee you David was never the same after that day. I'm sure he, he, he walked. He may not limped, but he walked a little different in his walk with God from that day forward because of the mercy that God had had on him in changing him. And so, honey, you can come to the music. When we see Jacob's life and his honesty with God, I'm sure Jacob doesn't have any idea yet what God has in store for him, but... He does walk away from that place where he saw the face of God. He's walking with God now, but he's walking with a limp. I think it was Brother Tenney said one time that everybody doesn't race to greatness. But he said that Jacob, he limped his way to a new name. He got the limp before he got the name. And so that limp would always be a reminder. When he would get up and it'd be sore, he'd go to move. It would just remind him of one desperate night where he met God alone, where he recognized and confessed who he was, and then he let God show him who he was supposed to be. And God changed him. So we don't, we don't want to waste time and waste years playing around the altars, playing in church. But we want God to change us. Make me to be who I'm supposed to be. If you have not let go of that one little side, well, that's just my personality. Sometimes that's, that's the way we excuse it. That's just my personality. Well, sometimes it's our personality that we need to let go of so that God can make us exactly who we need to be. While she's playing tonight, would you stand with me and maybe make your way to this altar and find a place where you'll meet God face to face. I know we're in a crowd and we're in a house, but tonight at this altar, you can talk to God. Lay it down one more time. God, here I am.
have mercy on me. Change me. Make me to be who you've called me to be. Hallelujah. Oh, God, change me tonight. Mold me and shape me in this place, God. Put your hands upon me, Lord. I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Give me something for my life tonight, God. I need it, Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's pray tonight, saints.
you, Jesus. I'm thankful for the change that the Lord makes in our life. I'm glad I'm not who I used to be. You know, there's there's groups of even Christianity today that there's, there's no change. It just man, just confess the Lord, and there's no change. But my goodness, there's no, there's not even any biblical stories for that. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. He got a name change too. Went from Saul of Tarsus and persecuting, and when God revealed, hey, here, here I am. I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Man, he's, what do I do now? So the Lord told him. And then you read about him, he's Paul, and he's preaching. He's not persecuting people anymore. He changed. God changed him, changed his life, changed his direction, changed who he would be and what he would do. Changed him. The two words that Jesus spoke, follow me, changed people. I'll make you fishers of men. And he took all kinds of people from all walks of life and changed them. Made them something different. Made them into what he wanted them to be. I'm thankful for the change that Jesus brings tonight. I'm glad I'm not who I used to be. I hadn't yet attained... Like Paul said, I'm, or either I'm not even saying I'm perfect, or either, but what I'll tell you is this, is I'm not looking back. I'm moving forward, and I'm reaching for more of what Jesus has got for me. So God bless you tonight. Thank you for being in service. Looking forward to a wonderful Sunday service. Invite somebody. It'll be Father's Day. I know some people will be traveling and going, but if you can be here, I want you to come. We're going to have a great time, have some good church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you tonight.